Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the QB Draw, the second this week, second in two days, I think. Uh, I've got my usual co-host, John, with me and also a very special guest. Uh, do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, absolutely. That's right. So, uh, yeah, I'm the Intercontinental Heavyweight Champ, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, I'm thrilled to join the podcast here today. Um, yeah, that's, that's... <laughs> uh, this is Ryan flipping the field. Um some of you guys might know me. Some of you may just see my deranged takes retweeted by these guys. Um, how's it going? Yeah, we're pretty excited to have you on. Obviously, being freaks of the college football internet, like it, it's this is a real brain trust in terms of as as weird as you can get in college football Twitter. A real getting um, brain trust. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's uh, it's it's you can say that again. That's for sure. Um, really happy to have you on. Good to good to virtually meet you here. Um, we brought you along. Obviously, uh, we've got some some news. Um, we're, we're breaking for the first time. If you've heard it anywhere else, you have to credit us. Uh, Jim Knowles of Oklahoma State will be taking over as Ohio State's defensive coordinator for next year. Um, obviously, this is a, a move that a lot of people saw coming. Uh, it, it simply had to happen. Um, they needed a change. But uh, happy to see a, a name like Knowles uh, taking taking over. Um, Ryan, what are your initial thoughts on on the hire? Yeah, uh, I mean, Jim Knowles was the top of the board guy, right? Like, I don't think there was a better realistic coordinator hire available. Uh, you can say what you want about like guys like Jim Leonard or a couple other um, big time defensive coordinators that have been, you know, Brett Venables, of course, before he got Oklahoma. There's a few other guys out there who are you know big time names that maybe have more tenure and more experience, but. In terms of guys who are actually available to be hired, I don't think there was a better option out there uh, for Ohio State to go get. Um, it's in, you know, I've been pretty harsh on Ryan Day this offseason, justifiably so, but, um, you know, it is uncritically un- a mass success and a home run hire. Um, he operates exactly in the formula um, you'd want to see a coach in Ohio State operate in, in terms of an aggressive defense built on um, a lot of strength and speed in the front. Um, it's variable based on personnel. Uh, it, it brings, you know, it kind of attacks the offense. It dictates to them rather than the opposite. And the same, same principles, any three, three, five or four, two, five do. Um, and I think it really fits Ohio State's personnel for next year and should be essentially, as long as the safety play is okay. Uh, Josh Proctor's actually healthy. Um, it should be an immediate massive upgrade of this past year's defense. Yeah. Um, I think, I think my biggest thing is, with, uh, with them hiring Knowles and someone from the outside, which we've all sort of criticized Ryan Day for, is his sort of uh, his sort of proclivity to hire old friends of the program or even worse, old friends of Urban Meyer. Um, this is like, as far as I know, he has no ties to the program. Uh, if he does, they're very minor. And like, even if you don't think Knowles is a better defensive football mind than the defensive brain trust this year, um which he is like obviously that goes without saying um I think it's just really important to get a fresh set of eyes on this defense because whatever they have been teaching and coaching and scheming these uh last three out of four years has clearly grown stale um it's just not working and it was time for a big change and I think this is that yeah I mean I think you guys hit the nail on the head obviously it's just like that that factor of uh of getting a new name and getting people Getting somebody with with a new design, and, and and even if the design in itself is, you know, it, it's it's going to be complex. It's going to take a little while for Ohio State to learn. Just that core of of being aggressive is going to be so huge because there were so many times this year, and especially 
um, in the last game where it just seems like everybody's out there defensively trying to, to catch the catch somebody as opposed to making a play. And uh, that's something we're really looking forward to. I'm glad you brought up Josh Proctor. This is probably the internet's number one Josh Proctor podcast. We love uh, <laughs> the way he plays. I was watching last night and I sent it to, to Ezra. Um, the video of his hit on, on Jack Cohen and man, oh man, uh, I, I missed that last year. Uh, just that, that pure aggression and, and violence. That's what we need back. And I don't defense. think, yeah, I don't think he was very good in 2020. I think he was, and I might be wrong about this. I think he was on his way to be much better in 2021. So hopefully he can fully recover and sort of get comfortable in the scheme. And you, you know, who knows if he's the guy back there, you know, uh, John and I talked about guys like, uh, Jansen Dunn, um, Obviously, they uh, missed on Xavier Nwampa, unfortunately, but he would have been a true freshman anyways. It doesn't look like Zion Yeah, they're Branch about to miss on here. Zion Branch, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> that Lincoln Riley hire really uh, put a damper on the West Coast front. Um, but, uh, Ryan, I guess... It was a great you... thing that they... I think it was really smart, too, that they moved Craig Young around to eight different positions during the oh, season yeah, instead no, of playing was, him. I think that, that, that was, was awesome, also. It's not like mm, Craig yeah. Young would have been helpful in this defense. Uh, Ryan, who do you envision playing safety back there next year? Do you think Josh Proctor or maybe a new face from potentially the 2021 class? Um, or uh, Bryce I, I think it would almost certainly be Josh Proctor. The question becomes, like, uh, does Josh Proctor stay healthy for a full season? You know, I mean, he's played yeah. in, I believe, 19 games over the last four years. Um, I, I heard he's recovering, you know, ahead of schedule, which is nice to hear. But, you know, it's kind of always, like, worrying with him when the other shoe drops. Uh, which is not a good situation to be in, of course. Uh, you don't want to worry about that. Of course, you don't want to wish that anybody. He's a tremendous talent. I'd like to see him play more, but um, it's always kind of in the back of your head, right? You're, you're kind of always thinking about it at this point. Um, I, I think what's interesting to see is, one, like what does that too deep look like? Like, Obviously, I'm not exactly the, the biggest Bryson Shaw fan in the world. I don't think anybody at the Ohio State. He did briefly uh, save the season. Is. He did. Uh, he saved the first half of one game yes. of the season for sure. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's pretty rare for a guy to play that many snaps and then like go back to sitting on the bench, right? Like, I don't think that's something that we're used to seeing very often. Uh, and when it's Master happened in the past, this guy's pretty much just transfer. Yeah, Master T did it, and he's going to transfer this offseason. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Hooker did it and he would have transferred if he didn't get a DUI, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that uh, I'm trying to think who else uh, is even Marcus an example Williams here. I guess Brennan White, Brennan White did it and transferred. Yeah. yeah. Marcus um, Williamson kind of did, but then he got more snaps again. So, yeah. Yeah. Marcus Williamson is just uh, the chumbo wumba of his teams. And, uh, yes. you know, you can keep knocking him down the depth chart, but he will get back up again <laughs> every time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But um, <laughs> I actually, yeah, he's actually a nice player. But besides the point, um, I, I wonder what happens to Bryson Shaw. And if he leaves, I'd assume that Cameron Martinez has moved to free safety kind of long-term and is the two there. Um, maybe they move Lathan Ransom back there. I don't know. I, I really don't. The they safety to, position sorry. is bizarre. No, go ahead. Yeah, No, they need to. I think they need to stop moving guys around. Like they need to decide who is playing where. Like why is Ryan Lutz uh, all of a sudden a, a fake safety position that doesn't exist at Ohio State midseason when he played pretty well for a redshirt freshman earlier? It it doesn't. They need to pick. Well, who well they had to. Where. They had to do it to create room for all those snaps for Jordan Hancock and Jaquela Johnson. They gave right. Him. Yes, of course. That uh, the guys <laughs> that didn't did not play at all. Um, 
very odd snap management on the defense this year. Hopefully Jim Knowles is sort of the adult in the room and uh, gets things normalized, so to say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it, it it couldn't be worse, right? Like, um, I I don't think anybody did a great job, and and like you compare that obviously to what happened on the offensive side of the ball, where you were just like, it felt like they were just giving out snaps to give out snaps, and like I don't know, and then the offensive side of the ball, they didn't like there was so little um, variance that like you need to you need to find to strike a balance. It's it just it's got to be better and. You know, um, it doesn't help when you go out in the transfer, you know, portal and go get now, not now Teote, and he's essentially like not playing at all. Like it just doesn't help at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just a bizarre offseason, bizarre season. The personnel management could not have been stranger. I, I am very curious to kind of see what becomes the depth threat this year in general? Like, uh, like I was, I was starting to mention that with the safeties. I mean, you have Proctor and you're hoping he stays healthy. You have a very experienced shot if he remains at the roster. Um, Cameron Martinez showed some stuff in coverage, but you know, weighs about 110 pounds and it's got like a bag of milk. So that guy needs to put some weight on him. Uh, Ronnie Hickman seems to be good in the box, uh, but I mean, he's you a have very confusing player. Yeah. Yeah. Him and Ronnie Hickman and Lathan Ransom are both players. I cannot get a read on at all. Um, they're very up and down. I think Hickman flashes more uh, in the sense that he seems to fly to the football, but is never put in a good position to do so. Um, Lathan Ransom, I am kind of starting to uh, sour on, and I am not very convinced of his ability at this point. Um, beyond that, I don't know. Like, Court Williams has to get in the field, but is he a linebacker? Is he a safety? I don't really know. Uh, Craig Young's gone. No one behind them except Cam Martinez has shown anything. Is Ryan Watts still a safety? I don't know. I mean, a lot of very confusing, yeah. <laughs> very confusing personnel battles at this point. Yeah. Um, Speaking of confusing personnel, uh, what do y'all think the defensive line is going to look like next uh, next year? I, I you you probably start with JTT Sawyer and Tyleek Williams as sort of the three main guys, but uh, beyond that, like, what do you guys think it's going to look like? Well, who leaves and who stays, right? That's the big question. Right. I think I think Tyreek Smith is almost certainly gone. Haskell Garrett is gone. Antoine Jackson is gone. Um, could Jerron Cage come back? I don't know. Could I, I think Teron like Vincent is back. It does. It does. I think Teron Vincent's back. Um, Tyreek Williams be a difference maker. I, I think, um, like you said, it's defensive end. I, I can't imagine Zach Harrison going at this point. Like I feel like he has to come back. I, I don't know. The production I'm sort is just of not out there on yet. Zach Harrison as a like supreme disruptor. I just don't think he has any bend to his game. Like, um, perhaps he'd look different under a different sort of a strength and conditioning staff, which we'll get into later. But I, I don't think it's going to happen with Zach Harrison. Well, I, th- I think if you, I think you might see Noel stand him up. I think him and Sawyer mm-hmm. maybe play a lot of stand up reps. Um, on that, he calls it a lot of different names. Everyone call that position. Uh, where he like. Knowles will run. A, it's essentially a four down, but you have a Leo or a Jack, whatever you want to call that, uh, will stand up and kind of move around the formation where he can line up traditional weak side end or can line up in the middle and run a tight front. A lot of different ways you can move him around the for- like basically move that player on the formation. And I think that would almost exclusively be Harrison and Sawyer in that role. Maybe Javante Jean Baptiste if he stays around. Um, who knows? Who cares? Um, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I suppose Tyler Friday be back this year as well. They get him back. Um, he's yeah. A contributor. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of guys who like I, I'm pretty high on JTT and Sawyer and Tadic Williams, of course. I think Harrison still has a lot of room for growth. Everybody else, um, you know, they're also who on knows? the roster, right? Yeah, it's like who knows. Um, do we... Darian Henry start to come on a little bit in snap count? Yeah. I think he started to pick up steam towards the end of the year. Do we want to talk a little bit about Tyleek Williams? Just a, a quick little side note, because the benching of him was sort of one of the most uh, puzzling things of this season, in my opinion. Uh, John, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, this is one of those things that, like, where Ohio State is so quiet about, about like, everything they do, they almost, like, never have to address something like this. But this is something I'd love to hear more about, like, how the hell – because it seems like whenever he's on the field, he's – he's doing good things and, you know, he's clearly having impact, but then like to just pull him off the field and, and not really have to explain it. Like it, it just feels weird. Like I, I would obviously love to see him more. And um, you know, he's certainly in, in a year in a time like this where the transfer portal is so, um, you know, so prominent, like you, you can't risk losing folks like that just because of, I who I don't even know what to call it, whether it's arrogance or um, needing to play the guy ahead of him or or whatever. Like I just I don't know. I feel like for a guy like Tyleek, you, you make room and make snaps for him and figure out how to maximize him as best you can. Yeah, um, I just can't imagine why he stopped getting snaps in a situation where Haskell Garrett was injured as well, right? Where Haskell Garrett was clearly declining his snap count uh, as kind of pitch, uh, whatever you call it, pitch count um, for, for management. And you're not going to play Tally Williams of all people. I mean, Teron Vincent came on somewhat in the season, but not enough to, to not see Tally Williams play. It's very bizarre, um, just a season of bizarre player management. A lot of guys were clearly frustrated they weren't playing. Um, some of them incorrectly, like Kayvon Pope, uh, some yeah. of them correctly, like Tyreek Williams, uh, but just a lot of frustration and confusion. I think across the roster as to uh, why is this bum playing ahead of me, uh, and I, I have to agree <laughs> with many of them. <laughs> it's almost like they did not have anyone who'd ever been a defensive coordinator before on the staff, short of Matt Barnes's one impromptu season at Maryland, um, which we all remember that that oh, we all know and love Maryland yes. <laughs> defense. Yeah, God. Um, <laughs> Well, shout out to, um, I guess while we're here, like now we're talking about puzzling coordinator hires. Um, the Big Ten has now become a landing spot for former UMass head coaches to become <laughs> just offensive coordinators for whatever reason. I don't know how the hell, what search firm you use to end up with Walt Bell being your <laughs> offensive coordinator at, at Indiana, but, uh, but here we are. Indiana Maybe- really uh, had the... They, they sort of sold their soul for one one pretty good season during a uh, <laughs> pandemic. Yeah, because it is ugly yeah, there. I, I cannot think of a comparison for Tom Allen <laughs> to see someone. I mean, he was just like, what a bizarre career, right? Like, just stabs right. Kevin Wilson in the back to take his job, <laughs> keeps at the same level for like three or four years, has one incredible season during COVID with some really improbable wins and turnover differential. And just absolutely falls off a cliff immediately afterwards. Two and um, ten. They went two. They didn't go four and eight. They went two and ten. I like. I saw that the other day. Yeah. And just like the stand. Like I was like taken aback. Like I knew that, but I was still taken aback. It's unreal what happened there. Yeah, I was. It's not getting better it. either. It's it's no. certainly not. And <laughs> especially when you're you hire you you get rid of Nick Sheridan and you hire probably the guy with a worst 
view of offense that like that's the thing with and and no not that anyone should but you know I spent a lot of time watching UMass football because it's my alma mater over the past few years and like I when they hired him I expected Walt Bell of course I expected to like get have some sort of offensive identity and I, I know you don't have a lot of talent, so like, how much can you really hold a guy responsible for? But they just never seemed to have any clue what they were doing on the offensive side of the ball. And a lot of that dates back to the fact that, you know, uh, Walt Bell in his one season at Florida State uh, was not allowed to play call plays at all. So, uh, yeah, really just a confusing move and, and something that, you know, might be just a move to try and get that buyout money early. I don't know, like, what the hell he's thinking, but... Uh, but yeah, um, that 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 those are that was just vamping on uh, on Walt Pell. Um, yeah, uh, sort of before we get into other other parts in the staff, I guess. Uh, just do you guys want to go over what you expect from the defense next year in the uh, first year under Jim Knowles? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I expect obviously. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's reasonable to expect overnight um, for that defense to become what it ultimately ended up being at Oklahoma State, which is like a top five run defense, you know, top two defense potentially in the, in the entire country. Um, but a lot of that, like um, we were talking about before, a lot of it re- relied on a lot of upperclassmen who had been in the system for a long time. So maybe over time you can get to that point. Um, but he also like didn't have that the level of talent that he's going to have the access to at Ohio state. So um, super exciting. Just again, like it, you know, watching um, clips of, of Oklahoma state, you've got a lot of hats making, making their way to the ball. Um, you've got uh, on run plays, you've got a, a sense of aggression of people knowing where they're supposed to be and, and knowing how to make a play. Um, and, you know, sure, they might get beat deep sometimes, like one-on-one, but, like, if you're going to get beat deep, you tip your cap, you know. I, I would rather bet on, uh, bet on you know, a college quarterback making a play than, um, you know, than, than death by a thousand cuts every weekend. So um, I'm just excited. Yeah, I mean, the early down blitzing and kind of aggression is going to be exciting to see. Um, that's the biggest thing, too, that has just been uh, driving me nuts the last couple of years, maybe even beyond that, is Ohio State has not known how to blitz uh, from the linebacker or, or back seven positions uh, since Luke Fickle left. There is I, I love Pete Werner and Bear Browning, but those guys can't blitz to save their lives. Like, no one on this team knew how to get after the quarterback uh, who's not a defensive lineman, and we haven't had those the last two years either now. So, well, yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, it, once in you, now that maybe you can get into it a little bit too, but like the quality of linebacker that's coming into the program, like in this next class is going to be pretty cool. And like, if you watch any of the highlights of, of, uh, you know, CJ Hicks or, you know, Gabe Powers, like those guys certainly, at least at the high school level, knew how to get after the quarterback. So that's, that's exciting stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I fully expect to see, something like Steel Chambers and Court Williams, the two starting linebackers next year with Tommy Eikenberg and Cody Simon as backups. I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but regardless, uh, Jim Knowles will work the linebackers directly alongside Al Washington, I assume, presuming Al Washington's back, which um, maybe is not a given. <laughs> uh, but regardless, it'll be nice to see someone instruct linebackers how to blitz. I'm not even an anti-Al Washington guy necessarily. I know it's kind of uh, pretty de jure to be right now. Um, but – 
I, I think I watched this almost a potential. He was hired by Ryan Day to coach a position he doesn't coach, doesn't have experience with, and was given a bunch of Bill Davis players and told to fix it. <laughs> and he has fixed the recruiting. Um, and he's gotten pretty good linebacker play out of some guys. They were good you know, in 2020. Um, yeah, they were good in 2020. In 2020, they were the yeah. best unit of the team. This year, they were awful, of course. Um, but <sighs> I don't know, man. We're going to see. I, I guess we're going to find out, right? We'll, we'll know in about two weeks if Al Washington sells a job or not. Uh, so <laughs> stay tuned for that, I suppose. Yeah, I guess before we get into other stuff, I just I, – I am excited for hopefully – and Ryan, you alluded to this or pretty much directly said it. Um, like just the Ohio State defense to not just sit back on its heels and take it um, because like – I don't know, man. It's like those four or five yard runs and passes that they seem to just give up like at will to the opposing team. It, it's, it really is death by a thousand cuts. Like you don't think much of it in the first quarter. You're like, okay, second and five, first and 10, second and three. But it really adds up over the course of the game. And it just becomes untenable to, to sort of play football um, with any sort of rhythm. It, it, like we saw in those Oregon games and that uh, Michigan game. And I just really hope they can get out of that and be more aggressive, which is, you know, the word everyone's using and for good reason. Um, do we want to talk a little bit recruiting with uh, Sonny Styles reclassification, CJ Hicks, Gabe Powers coming in, what we think uh, potentially those impacts could uh, mean? Sure. Yeah. I mean, a Sonny, Sonny reclassifying is really cool. Um, you know, it's, uh, an Ohio guy, which it, all three of them are Ohio guys. So it's good to kind of have that local talent. Um, seems like CJ Hicks, at least from uh, just viewing on Twitter, it seems like he's really into being the leader of the class. Like all these guys, you know, tagging him in posts and stuff like that, him, you know, tweeting at guys, asking them to come to Ohio state. That's all really cool stuff. Um, but like I said, like the, the quality of linebacker and, you know, in Sonny's case, like that hybrid between linebacker and safety, um, it, it, it's really cool to have. I, I'm not sure the impact that they'll have in, instantly, but like over time, I think that those are the kind of guys that you need to have uh, traditionally to have a, a strong Ohio State defense. I do think it was a little bizarre he gave that press conference where he said he was, quote, going Quinn Ewers mode. Yeah, but, uh, nothing to be done about <laughs> that, that I guess. That was moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. you, you uh, bring up a good yeah. point. <laughs> No, Sonny's a freak, man. Sonny's an absolute talent for sure. Uh, I I think he'll be starting in year two. Uh, I'd be shocked if he wasn't. I think he'll get playing time next year, even though he's, you know, not enrolling until June. Um, I mean, he's a legitimate like 6'4", 225, 230 right now. Uh, You watch his basketball highlights. He is dunking with authority in traffic. Uh, He is a big, violent athlete. Uh, who is talking about a guy who can blitz and get after the quarterback. I mean, my God, he, the way he plays and, and gets, the, gets the passer is incredible. Um, he has a bit of a mean streak for certain, really good in coverage. Like he is, there is nothing he does not do on the field that you want to see. Right. And yeah, just sort of and, on that Quinn Ewers note, um, this is sort of the the good vibes type of reclassification, uh, whereas the Quinn Ewers reclassification was the bad vibes type. Um, I, I don't expect any sort of a, situation like that to unfold with sunny style sorry ryan you had one more thing to say really important i was going to say like maybe he i mean i think he's someone who has the fluidity of a cj hicks and the size of a gay powers uh which is <laughs> uh not a small deal to say the least and it's not a mm-hmm. common pairing you see very often <laughs> with these players. 
No, uh, yeah, he, he's a freak. Gabe Powers, CJ Hicks, also very good. Um, are you guys ready to get into the other portions of the staff or anything else you want to say on the defense and Jim Knowles in general? Um, just just in terms of defensive staff hires, I, I do – it does seem like Larry Johnson is going to stay around this year from what I've heard. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to retire. Um, I do wonder if the other defensive coaches are back. Uh that Barnes, man, like the recruiting, taking over for Wonka and, and Branch and going O at a two. Yeah. And you look at his recruiting track record here is just not really acceptable. He's um, going Tavor Johnson, you know, some are saying. Right, right. I mean, people <laughs> in the program like Jansen Dunn, but like Andre Turrentine was barely a take. Kai Stokes is like a, you know, <laughs> for yeah. a three-star guy. We'll see if he becomes, if he becomes anything. Uh, and Jansen Dunn, there was, of course, the stories during the recruiting cycle last year that he didn't know whether he was a take or not. And Ryan Day had to, like, come in and save that recruitment at the last second because he was going to go elsewhere. So, mm-hmm. like, what is Matt Barnes doing in the recruiting trail? What is his right. job? You know, I know he kind of got some good pub. Be- <laughs> like, he got some good pub because he came in and, and kind of fixed the cover schemes and, you know, showed people how to disguise coverages a little bit during the season. And, you know, that's all well and good. It saved Ohio State from going 9-3 and three instead of 10-2. and two. Uh, but uh, that's kind of the only utility he's had here. He doesn't seem to do much else, so I would not be mad at all if Jim Knowles brought in his own guy. Uh, no, and sort of the other defensive backs coach, Kerry Coombs, I, I sort of had this thought. Um, I'm not sure if it would make sense or not or if Coombs would go for it, but why can't Coombs be um, the Ohio State version of his name escapes me? Who's the Kentucky coach who – basically runs recruiting and is that he's called their tight ends coach it's um vince marrow why can't carrie coombs be the ohio state vince marrow where he he coaches a position but he really is just like an ace recruiter and um you give him a pay raise and he's not around the scheme of the defense very much like if carrie coombs would be down for that i think that would be a perfect role for him uh do y'all have any thoughts on that well, I probably just need a pay raise to that. They're probably paying it plenty. I think it's one point five. Just keep it there. Just keep it there. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I agree. Uh, I mean, he's obviously a brilliant recruiter. I do think you nominally have to keep him as some kind of defensive backs coach, in addition to like, I don't know, you make his title like defensive back, special teams, and uh, in-state recruiting coordinator, or something to that effect, mm-hmm. uh, and give him that kind of title and pay him one point five. Uh, because to have him for max effectiveness, he would still have to have a corners or, or defensive backs title. They would recruit mm-hmm. those guys. And, you know, if they show up for a practice or something, just have him pretend to coach guys really quick. Um, <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd like to see Combs stay around for sure. There's no doubt about that in my mind. I think he is a, a brilliant recruiter and one of the handful of college. Like, there's not many guys in college football who recruited his level any position. I think you could yep. probably count them on a couple hands. Um, and he is certainly, uh, certainly talented enough to stay around. And he's in the thick of it for AJ Harris right now, which would be a, a pretty crazy get. Uh, if you guys don't know, AJ Harris is a five-star cornerback from Alabama who, uh, is announcing soon. I think January 11th, his two, four, seven page says. So, uh, if Coombs could land that, that's just sort of another notch in his belt. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, do we want to talk about the offensive line? Uh, that's sort of the elephant in the room. 
Boy, yeah. do I. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we've all got our thoughts on the offensive line. It has been, um, I don't want to say uh, disheartening, but it's been <laughs> interesting, to say the least, to see Gar- uh, Greg Strickland. You may use words like despicable. Yes, uh, on the recruiting trail, meeting with people turning. still like he yeah. should. That man should be in prison, <laughs> not, not meeting with the, not meeting with high school Our children. <laughs> oh man, like oh, God, like it's, it's like if you're sort of if you're sort of a guy who can't recruit but develops people, but then you don't develop people. It's like what what are we doing here? Like I, I think it really is just as simple as that. Uh, Ryan, I know you have some words to say about stud, uh, so go off. Right, right. I mean, everything from the recruit, the recruiting. I have, I think I've been talking about probably for three years at this point. Like, I think I've made my opinions very, very well known in this recruiting, uh, publicly and privately. I think there's little else to be said about it except like, simply follow the numbers. You know, like the the, mm-hmm. the number of guys in his position group who he has not recruited is unbelievable. Uh, between NPF, uh, Harry Miller, Enoch Amahi, Matt Whipler, or sorry, uh, uh, Matt Jones and Luke Whipler, um, Paris Johnson. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's another name I'm forgetting here. But I mean, just like seven or eight blue chip guys in his room are players he did not recruit. But you have to give him credit for guys like Donovan Jackson, Wyatt Davis, right. and, uh, you know, finding Dewan Jones. That's all good and well. But between like the incredible misses he's had, uh, you know, he's gone in the last JC Latham, years, Keontae Goodwin. Been... Yeah, of course, of course, right. And he's gone fifty percent on Ohio recruits in the last five years. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> say what you want about that. I mean, that is I would say I would call that not good personally. Um, <laughs> his personnel decisions are baffling. I, I mean, starting four tackles is stupid as is. But and the whole reason you did that and the reason you couldn't like play, play a guy like Matt Jones uh, is because you don't want Dewan Jones to transfer, um, which seems pretty silly considering Dewan's now going to be gone after one year anyway. It looks like he's either like going pro or, uh, I mean, the way Ohio State's recruiting, you know, taking a visit to that um, FIU off the tackle transfer, it seems to indicate they think they are losing a tackle this year, and it's probably yeah. not Paris Johnson. So do the math. Um, right. <laughs> so, uh, between NPF and Thayer Munford and probably Dewan Jones being gone, now you're back to starting, you know, Paris Johnson attacking for the first time. You'll have probably like Matt Jones, Harry Miller, and Luke Whipler starting inside, which, okay, good luck. And, um, you know, a brand new tackle picking for a bunch of guys who have not played at all. Um, it's his recruiting misses coming to manifest. Like, I think it's inevitable at this point. Uh, we're going to see it happen over the next couple seasons. The O-line talents will get worse. We'll have to mine the transfer portal heavily. Um, he doesn't teach inside run technique very well. Those guys cannot get a push inside. He hasn't had a, a push from a center in like three seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just does not happen. Uh, I, I don't know what else to say about it. Like these guys are not good enough for what they're built as. They do. They are good, a good pass blocking line most seasons. I can't, I can't argue with that. Um, but at the same time, when you have like, you know, the best receivers in America, it's pretty easy to pass block well because they're always open. And the quarterback gets the ball off pretty fast. Uh, it's just, man, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's just pretty disheartening. Um, the, the Harry Miller situation, I want to talk about that too. Uh, obviously, he was out for personal reasons early in the season and then suffered an injury against Maryland to be out for the rest of the year. But prior to that, um, they named him the starter when he was not playing in spring camps. He recovered from his shoulder surgery in the offseason. They named him the starter without competing for reps in practice. He comes back, 
doesn't play, obviously. So you have to start redshirt freshman Luke Whipler, who got whipped in the run game all season after you moved Matt Jones away from the center because you named Harry Miller the starter of the competition. Then you put Matt Jones on the bench because you want to start Dewan Jones, who also didn't have to compete for a job but was given a starting job because Thayer said so. How does that make any sense? Like, that is terrible personnel management, mm-hmm. terrible process that leads to an O line that can't effectively <laughs> use the uh, block in the run game. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of things he's done do not make any sense. The recruiting's bad. So, and there's also, a, like, I don't think he's a terrible developer of O line talent. I think he's probably a, a slightly above average uh, developer of mm-hmm. O line talent and a terrible recruiter. Um, so, that, to me, that is like a C minus coach. Uh, I probably wouldn't be calling to fire him so aggressively if there wasn't an obviously better upgrade with experience in the region available when you need to coach and Harry Heestand, who's just the most obvious hire in the world. Just go out and get Harry Heestand. It's the easiest thing to do. Just pay him whatever he wants. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree with every word you said there. Um, How long was like, that, 27 minutes I just went for? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I think our <laughs> listeners enjoyed every second of it. Uh, I think that was pretty cathartic. Um yeah, Stud's got to go. Uh, John, you got any any other thoughts on Stud? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I said it early on, but like, you know, if you're going to experiment with a four tackle line, like somebody had to have put their, their job on the line there. Like somebody has to, to go if, yeah. if that's the case. And, and obviously the obvious choice here is Greg Sidrawa. And like you add to that also the issues with recruiting and, and things like that and, and you know, if we have to hit the the transfer market for for offensive linemen, like I'm it, I'm not going to blame anybody because like you, you know when you've got all these folks in and and if your whole goal was to avoid you know Dewan Jones, it seems like the writing's on the wall now. It's just it's it's not a good situation, um, yep. and w- hopefully they get some better something better in there. But you know like. Stradrow is in all of these photos with the recruits. So it's like, I don't know, like if, if they're able to make that upgrade or make that change, like when it's going to happen. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping soon. Uh, yes. Um, let's see. Uh, do we want to talk strength and conditioning, especially because Ryan is a, a lot more not knowledgeable than uh, John and I are in this department. Uh, John and I had talked about this on a previous episode. We are, um, sort of just using our, our eyes to see that it doesn't look good right now um and we're we're little baby boys and yeah we've, we've invited the big strong um you know alpha male to to teach us about lifting weights um ryan uh yeah let, let's let's dive right into sure so i i guess i, I think i've been pretty aggressive on the mickey marati front um I do want to point out that I think there are good parts of his program. I am probably, mm-hmm. I am, uh, you guys may have learned this over time. I'm a little want for hyperbole uh, on the internet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't say. Uh, <laughs> I think we all are. I think You're in good company. Here. Yeah. I, I do think his sports science program is very good. Like the way he tracks biometrics, the way he tracks hydration is something that is was industry leading for quite a while. And it's still pretty much on the cutting edge. Um, he's very good at using his resources to those kinds of things. His lifting programs do incorporate some pieces of things I think are valuable. I think he also just wastes time on a lot of bullshit that doesn't need to happen. 
Um, so if you can go back and find his like clinics on strength and conditioning, you can find some of his old manuals going back the last like 10, 15 years. Um, Mick believes in a lot of like manual resistance. So literally like someone pushing back on somebody else, right? Like if you were trying to do, um, you know, a, a bench press, someone's like giving you a little manual resistance with their, with their hands or something, which is stupid for a lot of reasons. One, it's dangerous, but two, uh, it's, it's not measurable. You cannot measure the progress you're making on that. Um, he does a lot of strongman training, which is all grip strength related. Um, I really can't think of any <laughs> uh, any parts of football that require that much grip strength. Like it's not really something you know. He's doing like heavy farmers carries, walking around the gym with these players. Um, just not really applicable <laughs> to any part of football. Um, doesn't make any sense. Um, he does, oh, in my opinion as well, over-rely on Olympic movements. Uh, this is something that is admittedly not settled at all. I think a lot of strength coaches believe heavily in Olympic movements. Um, I think they have their place but are not ultimately primary movements that should be used that frequently. Um, I, I think they are more of an accessory. Um, I will admit that there are uh, many, many strength coaches disagree with me on this, but I think the science is on my side. Um, I, I think when you study kind of like Test of explosion, test of like, you know, uh, you know, maximum performance from a lot of high explosive athletes. They are better off using powerlifting movements. Um, they can mimic football a little bit better than, than uh, Olympic movements can. But I'll admit that is something I'm maybe not fully in the majority on. Um, there, there are some conversations out there that, that Mick has brought in some outside guys, lately, particularly Quinn Barra, Barnum, Bannum, Quinn Barham, something like that. Uh, one of the assistant strength coaches um, who does have more of a a background in powerlifting, which is um, generally, to my opinion, most powerlifting strength coaches who study the conjugate method at Westside Barbell are guys that are going to be your most knowledgeable and informed coaches in the strength community. Um, Aaron Feld at Stanford, and um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's not a Phoenix Suns head strength coach, stand out particularly. Um, I think we all saw last NBA playoffs how well the Suns were doing uh, until Chris Paul got hurt. It's just uh, yeah. injuries. At out physically in teams about being more close up and down the floor. Uh, the defense they played was tremendous. Like just a lot of things from a young team you don't usually see. And I attribute a lot of that to their strength program. Um, but, um, you know, Mick is who he is. It's just my opinion. It is embarrassing that Ohio State is 10 miles away from probably the single greatest uh, like research center and like a fountain of knowledge uh, on strength training and on sports-specific strength training in the world in Westside Barbell, like outside of like the Russian uh, or the old Soviet uh, Olympic those community, there is there is like nothing else besides Westside that has a larger fountain of knowledge. And Ohio State has never once consulted with Westside. Uh, about twenty Division One colleges have. Uh, about seven NFL teams have. Uh, the All Blacks do from New Zealand. All kinds of rugby and soccer teams. Um, Stipe Miocic, the heavy, the former UFC heavyweight champ from Cleveland, is trained by Westside. All these like, great athletes across sports train with Westside, uh, and Ohio State has never talked to them in any kind of formal way. It's embarrassing. Yeah, that, that is that is damning. Um, I guess I have a little bit of a question, a couple questions, real quick on the strength and conditioning part. Um, so the first one is why, why is Julian Fleming and Julian Fleming is just an example. Why is he so big? Like why are these guys so big? Or is Ohio State making guys too big and too slow for their own good? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, 
and it's weird too because even at receiver, you see such variation, right? Like I think mm-hmm. Fleming just came in big, and they've kept him big. Yeah, I, I think unless you see all the physical transformations from Stud or from guys who play in the box, right? Like the the Josh Perry pictures are famous, or um, some of the offensive mm-hmm. linemen have crazy transformations. Like NPF has put on so much weight. Uh, Dewan mm-hmm. Jones has lost so much. Um, there are guys like that. Like, if you don't play in the box, they're kind of just going to leave you how you are. I think physically, like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave have been skinny since they got here, and they're still yeah. skinny. Um, and Fleming was big as shit when he got here, and they keep him big as shit. Um, I don't think that's optimal. I think he could probably lose about ten or fifteen pounds. Uh, but they also, I think that the focus on the program in general uh, is a little too focused on mass and not performance. Um, I think they spend a lot of time worrying about weight. And uh, did you guys see the, the, the West Side rant from Louis that I posted on social media? Yeah, yeah. yes. The yes. very, uh, very not not PC rant. Do you want to uh, say Yeah, sure. Right. Well, he said, you know, if, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you go. Um, we'll bleep out the parts that uh, you don't want us to say. But, uh... Right. Well, I mean, it's just the like, even the whole slobs moniker of like, yeah. I know it's like yeah. silly and, and, and kind of tongue in cheek, but like, you know, it's true that you don't need fat linemen. Like linemen no. do not need to be fat. Uh, it's actually easy to not have them as fat linemen. They're some of the best athletes in the world. They're Division One football players at Ohio State. They can easily not be fat if you train and feed them correctly. Right. They can do whatever they want. Um, yeah. And then I guess my uh, – yeah. Um, my other question on this is, do you think Mick has, like, lost something over the years? Because there was a time sort of earlier in Urban's tenure where I did feel like Ohio State had a clear, like, strength and conditioning edge over their opponents. And yeah, Maybe a lot of sure. that was just, uh, like, talent depth, but sort of some games that come to mind, like – the entire 2014 playoffs and really the the big one is the 2017 Penn State game where like by the end of the game Penn State could just not stay on the field with those guys on either side of the ball um do you think uh, and the one I think of too just just to add to an example for you there is that 2015 Fiesta Bowl or it was I guess 2016 Fiesta Bowl Mm -hmm. 2015 season against Notre Dame uh Whenever those guys on kickoff coverage, when those guys were just absolutely flying to the ball and yeah. like average, you know, they were kicking the ball off regularly and still their game was like averaging starting off at the 14 yard line of possessions because Ohio State's kick coverage was down there so fast and just blowing guys up. That was stark, right? Um, and I agree, that was something they had for a long time. Um, as to where it's gone, I, I think some of it, I, I, yeah, I don't think they have the edge they have anymore. I don't think they look as explosive as they used to. There are still exceptions to that, obviously, like Garrett Wilson is like a freak. Um, Jamison Williams was Jamison Williams. That seems like it's probably just who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Trey Henderson pulls away from guys. But, yeah, not many players in this team. You know, J.K. Dobbins, how many guys did he pull away from his career? Didn't no, happen he, very frequently. Yeah. He, he was, right? he's, a, he's a one-cut vision back. He is not He was not that fast. Um, well, and that's the thing, right, is you should be able to develop, like, you know, long-speed and explosion right, in these yeah. kind of programs. Yeah. Um, and I really don't think there's many. It's hard. It's somewhat hard to distinguish like the three parts of one, um, like mental toughness and attitude, two, game planning, and three, physical ability uh, from each other. They're all kind of intertwined, and it's hard to see which one is failing specifically. Because I mean, like you could argue, right? A defense that plays as passively as Ohio State has in the last couple of years um, is naturally going to not blow guys up. But could that also be a problem with strength conditioning? Could that also be a problem of mental toughness and not really attacking? Um, yeah, I think all three could be an issue, right? And they could play into one another. Um, it's, it's hard to really have a clear delineation between them because I think they all touch each other so naturally. 
Yeah, it, yeah, it I is mean, hard I, to tell I, apart. Go ahead, John. I've been talking. I was just going to say, I mean, I, I think like when you're talking about mass versus like, oh, I clearly went through this thought process um, actually kind of as a result of the game that they lost. Yes. Yes. And I know that that was something I, I read Saban's biography and that was one of the things that he br- brought up is they gone are the days of, of Terrence Cody's of the world who are just these massive human beings who you can't move, but now you need to get faster. And he actually referenced that game because of how much faster that Ohio state team felt and how much stronger they felt than, um, than the Alabama, their, the, the team across the field, which is Alabama, which is crazy to see. And within, you know, the next, well, shit, it's been seven years now since, since that game. Uh, it's nuts. Um, it, it, they've entirely re- reinvented themselves and, and rebuilt that program from, uh, you know, a, uh, a semifinal loser to, you know, the defending champions. Like it, it's, it's, I just, I think we do to get back to the, 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 the root of it all. And, and a lot of it does become voices do over time, just get, if you've had the same boss for 10 years or, or whatever, you know, not that Ezra has been working for <laughs> years, but you know, if you've, if you've had the same boss for a number of years, voices just get stale. Right. And, and maybe that's the problem with Marathi is, is that, you know, they've, they maybe, you know, he's just lost his edge and you know, that a lot of that can come from kind of what might be across the board. Part of the problem with Ryan day as well as you get so, caught up in the successes that you've had that you lose track of where you're where right and there was no reason to ever reevaluate it until this Michigan game and that for me it's like you know uh it's like Rocky 3 if you've ever seen it you know you, you just lose the eye of the tiger right like you, you just you're, you're not um you're no longer hungry you know when when you're beating the man across from you all the time, and, and especially when you're extrinsically motivated um, by, you know, winning Big Ten championships, going to the playoff. You know, if, if losing in the national championship isn't enough to, like, you know, motivate you to, to really get back and, and get back to that game and win, like, I don't know what's going to motivate you. And it just it, – maybe that's part of it is the motivation factor. Like you said, like the mental toughness of, you know – saying you know standing up somebody on that team standing up in that second half against Michigan and saying fuck this I'm not letting them run me over anymore and and I don't know like it, it, a lot of it does come down to scheme and execution but you know it, it's you know maybe maybe it's a uh, Ohio State just kind of lost that edge and and it's going to be difficult to get it back but they are going to have to otherwise guess what they're going to be fourth place in the Big Ten again you know it's just <laughs> it's 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 in the division, the way it's at, you know, the way that other teams in, yeah. in, the, in, the, in the country and in the, um, you know, looking at the schedule next year, you open up with Notre Dame and guess what? They're going to come out pissing vinegar to play you. Um, so, you know, you got to, you got to get on it. You got to get on it early. And uh, if you don't, you know, you're, you've got back-to-back weeks, uh, Penn state and Michigan state next year. If, uh, in the Notre Dame go, game doesn't go well, all of a sudden you're looking at three, four losses possibly at the end of the year. And that sounded unheard of uh, before, you know, three weeks ago. So and don't forget, um, they play Iowa and Wisconsin too. Don't forget that part. Yeah. Oh, I right. I was at Kinnick. I'm not sure about Wisconsin, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a 
banger of a schedule next year. I am excited and worried for it. Um, and I think I, I do think the crazy part is I don't know. Like I really do think they'll go twelve and one next year. Yeah. Uh, just because like I think a lot of those teams are big names that are kind of all taking a step back. I think all of those programs yeah. are kind of um, taking at least a half step, if not further back. And, and I mean, like Ohio State theoretically should be improving upon what they had this past season, how young they were. Um, but obviously do lose some massive pieces on the O-line among wide receivers. Um, uh, there are some pieces you are concerned about losing for sure. Yeah. I mean, well, like you said, like, like Jack Notre Dame. LaRoe. Yes, we are. We are. <laughs> Jack um, I mean, it's just, you know, Notre Dame's going to have a quarterback theoretically starting uh, his first ever collegiate game in the horseshoe, which is unheard of. Um, hopefully at and, night, hopefully at night, hopefully not at 12 noon. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to be paying attention to this uh, Fiesta bowl. See, uh, see how the Knowles defense looks against, uh, looks against Marcus Freeman and uh, Tommy Reese's offense over at Notre Dame. So, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, they should have hired Matt Ria coach a couple years ago, by the way, I'm going to point that out. Uh, or Buddy Morris from Arizona. That's my fix to the program. Uh, my, my quick summary, because I got it right here in a second, guys, is uh, Ryan Day, uh, you know, fire, <laughs> fire Matt Barnes into the sun, uh, fire Parker Fleming, fire Corey Dennis, fire Mick Marotti, fire Greg Sudrawa, um, hire Harry Heastan, hire Buddy Morris, your strength coach, um, hire uh, half a defensive staff, uh, and get good again. Yeah. Yeah. Getting good. good again, I think, is. Yeah. The- I think we could all um, but, I think we would all be down for that. But yeah, we really appreciate you, Ryan, for taking the time. Um, oh, thanks for having me, guys. It was really fun. Yeah, we've uh, we've enjoyed we're you know, it's it's kind of cool. Um Cavs Bucks and I have been fans of you for so long. It's good to have you on and uh I'm sure our, our listeners will will greatly appreciate this. Um and you know, go bucks. Yeah, go bucks. Go bucks, man. We'll have to come back on I'll have to come back on the offseason to uh Figure out the rest of these changes. Maybe in a couple months, we'll, we'll kind of evaluate things to see where they're at after uh, Ryan Day makes his, you know, third and final move of the offseason in April. Whenever <laughs> gets around to it, uh, I'm sure we'll talk then. Absolutely. <laughs> see you guys. Thanks love again. to have you. See you. Thanks. Offensive analyst. Thank you, Ryan. Bye bye. <laughs> right. Hey y'all, this is uh, Ezra with a little bit of a postscript. Uh, Ryan had to dip, but he wanted me to inform all of you that uh, another another aspect of football strength and conditioning is that uh, teams should never run uh, anything more than 60 yards at a time. They should only be running sprints. I've heard guys like Adrian Peterson talk about this, how they don't do any long distance work just because it is not that applicable to uh, football. So uh, yeah, thanks for listening again. Have a good one. Ryan just wanted me to let y'all know that. Peace out.